Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hands. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Rim Zone. I hope you're never the same. You know, every day on I Work Rim, we try to tackle the subject of bringing our faith to work in a different manner. You know, yesterday you heard me do a rare monologue, rare, rare monologue about several issues facing our nation and our and and our world. Today, really a very rare instance where I. I well, we're just going a different angle with it, because this ministry, this workplace that we're going to talk about today is in prison. Luke 4, 18 says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. Today we have our guest, Pamela Winderweedle. The name of her ministry, Shabar Ministries. Pamela, welcome to I Work For Him Together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha. Thank you, Jim. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, and we're excited to have you on the air. And I think you've got, a, you've got an exciting announcement. A, a longtime guest. In fact, I don't know if Oz told you this, but that Pamela is engaged to Oz Hillman. And Oz Hillman, one of my heroes in the faith, because if it were not for Oz Hillman's daily devotional, I wouldn't be on the air today. Amen. And at 2000, yeah, you're like, I don't know how to even deal with that. Okay. I mean, literally, <laughs> literally, Oz was, Oz was on, uh, he, he, somebody, a buddy of mine from Atlanta forwarded me one of his uh, uh, 
emails back in 2006, and I started recognizing that my workplace was my mission field. And it's, it's been a long time friendship between Oz and I, but so excited that you guys are getting married. When are you, when are you guys getting married? May 7th this year. Congratulations. Thank That's you. awesome. Yeah, since I know that Oz knows people from every country around the world, it's going to be a very large wedding. I imagine you probably need to broadcast <laughs> on international television. Oh, no, no, no. It's going to be small. We're going to make it very intimate. Very nice. Well, now that, it, now that everybody knows it's May the 7th, they could just send gifts. So that'd be just fine. That'd be just fine. <laughs> we will can... definitely post pictures. That's, Aww, that's, that's, that's great. That is excellent. All right. Yes. So, Pamela, I really want to hear... We're very excited to share all about your ministry. But be, but before we get to that, we always start off with every guest just talking about your relationship with Christ. So before before the first question, just how is Jesus making an impact on your life today? Well, every morning, of course, my, my life is dedicated to Him. And my scripture verse is Romans 12, 1 and 2, mm. that I be transformed in the renewing of my mind. He gave me that, actually, when I was in prison in 2010. And I've been saying it ever since. And I just, in the morning, you know, I, I just say, I'm your hands, I'm your feet, I am your mouthpiece, Lord. And I want to speak what words he wants me to speak. I want him to just minister through me to everyone. And and when I touch people, I, I purposely go around and touch people and say kind things to them just because I know that he lives in me and he's touching them. So I, I try to just be conscious and be intentional about my words and my actions throughout the day. So you start off every day with, with some time with the Lord. How much time do you spend every morning? Probably close to an hour. And what do you do? Well, hmm, um, I actually anoint myself every day. He told me to do that when I was in prison. Okay. And I just haven't stopped. He, he just told me that the only thing that would change my old mindset was the Word of God and to memorize the Scripture a day. I don't memorize the Scripture a day anymore, but I do try to go back over the ones that I have memorized, which is a big book full. It took me an hour and 40 minutes to actually go from front to back of that book, of all the scriptures that he gave me while I was in prison, to memorize. And I just was adamant that I was not going to be the same person that I was when I went in. Mm -hmm. I knew that I had to change from the inside out, and the ministry is actually, he gave me the name of it while I was in, Shabar Ministries, from the inside out. And it's derived from Ezekiel 1.3. It says, As I was with the captives by the river Chabar, the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. He has given me so many visions and dreams while I was in. And it's just miracle after miracle. <laughs> a good, An old friend of mine, Oz Hillman, one of the leaders, one of the founders of the Marketplace Ministry Movement. Oz Hillman played a huge impact on my life and about Three months ago, two and a half months ago, he mentioned to me, hey, Jim, I got engaged just before Christmas, and I think you might like to interview my new fiance. And so I researched Pamela Winderweedle, and I researched her ministries, Shabar Ministries, and I said, absolutely, I'd love to have you on. Because, Pamela, I've never, we've never had anybody who has actually ended up in prison and really saw the Lord turn their lives around in prison 
and then come out and and make a difference. We've had some people on that have had 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 some difficult adversity in their life, but it, your adversity started when you were young, and has continued on into your middle ages, middle life years. Yes. Why don't you share a little bit about your story and how Christ came to impact your life? Okay. Well, I'd like to start actually from five years old. Uh, my grandmother, she was a very devout Christian. She played uh, piano in the church for 65 years, and she tried to instill so much Christ in us as a child. And my, my mother would actually send my sister and I to her every couple of weeks or at least once a month. And every holiday, we, we spent it with her. Well, I recall a pastor, this jolly old big guy coming over. She always cooked after church. And he put his hand on me and he said, oh, this one here, she's special. She's going to do great things for God one day. Well, for me to be five years old and to remember that, Mm -hmm. I believe that was the seed that was imparted upon me throughout my life. And I believe that is the, the one thing that just continually fed through my spirit and my soul throughout and carried me through. Well, Satan, he is a liar. He is a deceiver, and he is out to steal, kill, and destroy. So shortly after that, he came into the picture. And through my dad, who was an alcoholic, my dad, I actually, um, my sister and my mother were gone. I brought this puppy in from the cold, the snow outside, and said, Dad, can I have it? And he said, tie it up. So I tied it to the fence post. And he said, come upstairs with me, and you can have the puppy. Well, you don't think going upstairs with your dad to lay in the bed for a nap is going to create any other activity. Well, it did, and I ran out of the room crying, but I can tell you to this day, I can tell you the colors on the comforter, the flowers, I can tell you the smell of the room, I can tell you everything that was on that dresser. Well, through many studies that I have have now done, I have found that that was the, the initial point that Satan started infiltrating my soul. Mm-hmm. And he started this pattern in my brain, on the, the front thalamus of your brain, that causes you to have uh, disbelief. Your beliefs are structured from the point of your trauma. So after that, shortly after that, there were numerous men throughout my life. They were family members. When my mother found out, she threw them out. And, of course, I thought I was to blame for that. And watching your dad's things being thrown out and that you're not going to have a father any longer, that impacts you. So you you hold on to this trauma that is always my fault through life. Mm-hmm. And just many different men that came into the picture would try to violate me or did violate me. And throughout that course, my mom, she got with this hippie guy. I was nine years old. And he had pot, and I started, my sister actually started smoking pot, and I followed my sister, and I, I went somewhere else. I was no longer in that pain. I felt something different than who I was, what I was, or what my mind or Satan was telling me I was. So that one 
uh, intake of pot actually grew and started me to want other things after I was influenced by it. So I started at a very young age and started going somewhere else than where I had been planted by Satan. So that led the, so the abuse by men and the and the introduction to drugs really led you down a pretty dark path. Yet it's, it says in your testimony on your website shabarministry.org that you shabar shabarministries.org that at 26 you first gave your you gave your life to Christ at 26. I did. I actually think that it was much younger. I know that Jesus was with me throughout, because at 16, I was living with a biker, and I recall I was sitting in the chair, he was having a big party, and this vibration, this gun went off, and there was a vibration in my chair. We had an argument earlier in the day, and some people say that it was purpose, but some people say it was an accident, but this double-barrel shotgun went off, and it made a circle around me. And I was literally sitting in a chair with holes in the arms. Bullets were in the seat. The pellets were in the seat. The picture above me was shattered. And I actually thought I had been shot because of the vibration. And I stood up. Everybody came running, and I and I stood up thinking I was shot. There was not one mark on me. And I had tears and said, my grandmother is praying for me. And I know that there was an angel in front of me. I can give you countless stories. So many times that Satan tried to kill me, through throwing me through a windshield. It sliced my esophagus, broke my back. I was in a wheelchair. They said I wouldn't walk again and praise God for his grace and deliverance because I run today. Hmm. And he has uh, put me in the hospital with my liver. They said I wouldn't make it out of the hospital. And... Praise God, I have 100% health today. Nothing is wrong with my liver. God is in the restoration business. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, you, But you mentioned this experience at 26, but it wasn't the end of your drug addiction. It wasn't the no. end of So what eventually led you to ending up in prison? Okay. Uh, at 26, I did... Uh, I went on a Christian retreat. It was called Trace Diaz. It's a very powerful retreat. And I experienced a personal encounter with Jesus Christ and totally turned my life over to him. And But I experienced the drawing back of the addiction that was in me. There, there was so much. The Lord showed me this analogy through a toilet paper roll. I was sitting on a toilet in prison, and he showed me how my soul consisted of the white of the toilet paper. My spirit was the center of the roll. When I accept Christ, he comes in and fills the center. But the soul, the white of the paper, is my emotions, my self-will, my intellect, my mind. And that's where Satan filtrates. That's where he comes in and, and twists and, and causes all these disbeliefs and all these different traumas to happen in your life and, and all of this negative. So the Lord showed me as I continued to fill up the center with the Word of God, with hearing the Word, with, with speaking His Word, His promises out, that the sheets of the white get peeled off. 
and they actually start filling up the center. And when Paul said that I no longer walk in the in the flesh, in the soul, I walk in the spirit. They become one. And that's what the Lord showed me through a toilet paper roll. <laughs> it's amazing how um, God can just speak with wherever you're at. And in a situation where you didn't have much um, being in prison, um, he used the, the circumstances around you to speak to you. But I think, you know, what I'm hearing it from you is that through all of those things that you've gone through, you're you're putting the focus on how God has made an impact in your life and how he's using your testimony. And I think that that's the um, encouraging part of this for, for probably for you and for the people that you are ministering to. Yeah. So yeah. how you, you. you ended up in prison in in what year? It was 2010. Well, let me back up. I had after I accepted Christ at 26, I stayed clean for almost 2 years. And and it, that was like my breaking point. I couldn't get past the 2-year mark. Anytime that I would I would come back to Christ, he says that he'll put you in a place of solitude to come back to him. What better place of solitude than jail? I went to jail so many different times for the same offense, cocaine. I was mm. I was so addicted to cocaine and alcohol. I didn't even, so many people tried to get me to use other drugs. I'm, I'm so grateful to God that he gave me enough wisdom to say, no, I'm addicted enough to cocaine. I don't need to be addicted to anything else. <laughs> so. You know, every Tuesday, Martha and I, we talk about issues having to do with marriage and relationships. And and when I heard Pamela Winderweedle's story, I realized that, you know, it's it's not a workplace issue, but it is a workplace issue. It's not a marriage issue, but it is a marriage issue. It's not a relationship issue, but it is a relationship issue. I thought, you know what? We all have people in our lives who have struggled with chemical addictions, who have been abused uh, by other people, especially in their family. And I thought, this is a more difficult subject, but it's definitely a Tuesday topic. And so we've got Pamela Winderweedle on the line with us today from Shabar Ministries. You can find out more about them online at shabarministries.org. And we're talking about, she was sharing her testimony, how she ended up in prison. Now, Pamela, when you got into prison, it ended up being that time of your life where you were able to really connect with the Lord in a solid fashion for the very first time in your life. Yes, indeed. Um, as I said before, he says that he'll put you in a place of solitude to come back to him. And what better place of solitude? At this point in my life, I had decided that I couldn't live or be alive, <laughs> stay alive much longer if I continued with the behavior. I was tired of it. And when they say you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, they, that's really a big truth to that. Mm -hmm. And I said, Lord, don't let me out. Don't let me out until it's gone. Whatever it is, and however many it is, I don't want to get out until it's gone. I want to be a new creation in Christ. And it has to go because I don't want to be that old person. And before... I actually said that. I went to the library, and I checked out every self-help book, every psychology book, and recovery book I could get my hands on. And I said, this isn't it. This, I, I just, in my spirit, I knew this was not going to do it. And the Holy Spirit got a hold of me in my room and said, this won't do it. <laughs> this, the only thing that will change the old mindset is the Word of God. Memorize the Scripture a day. So I did. I fell on it, and I got in. I have this 
this journal, which will actually turn out to be a book. It's, it's got amazing grace on the front of it. But it has every scripture that, that he gave me. Because he says in his word, his promises are true. They're absolute. And he says in Isaiah fifty-five eleven, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it. So he said, speak the word out loud. Speak it with authority that I've given you, because I live in you. He says, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. He gave me so many scriptures. Luke ten nineteen is one of my favorites. I say it every day. It's... Um, I say it every day, and I can't think of it right now. <laughs> That's right. You're under the pressure of the radio. That's okay. Right, so, right. so as the Lord laid all the Scripture and, and just gave you the challenge to read Scripture, to memorize it, to, to say it out loud on a daily basis, as you said, it's so many Scriptures that you um, that if, when you repeat them, it takes you an hour and 45 minutes to actually get them out. How how long were you in prison? I was in 18 months. Okay. so And you, I asked, 18 is a very significant number to me, not only because of that date, but I got out on November 18th, and my birthday is December 18th. So 18 really has a big significance in my life today. But the scripture, Luke ten nineteen says, All power and authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing, nothing, nothing shall by any means harm me. And I stand on his word. I stand on his promises. And he says, the, the Lord, God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakens morning by morning. He wakens my ear to hear the learned. I anoint my ears every day with that scripture. So, Isaiah 50 and 4. Uh, so as you, let me just take, let me take it, no, let's take it back down. I mean, that, that, that's okay. What I, what I really want, I mean, I, I love your enthusiasm. I want people to hear I mean, your faith is encouraging to other people, mm-hmm. and, and, and and that's what's really important. When the Lord laid on your heart Shabar Ministries, you mm-hmm. said in your prison cell, what is Shabar Ministries all about? Okay, well, actually, it didn't start with Shabar in my cell. It actually started with a faith and character dorm that I got advanced into, and I started a class called Daughters of Zion. Women of God using your time wisely. Everybody wanted to change. They said, I'm not going back to that old behavior. And I said, what are you doing differently in here to cause you to not go back to the old behavior? Are you studying? Are you getting in the Word? Are you asking the Lord to heal you of all the old past wounds and deliver you of the unforgiveness? Because I had so much unforgiveness towards so many people. The Lord told me to write down everybody that I had unforgiveness toward. I couldn't even remember some of the names. I just wrote down the incidents, and I started praying over them. And was that unforgiveness for not only people that had abused you and hurt you, but maybe even unforgiveness for yourself? Oh, big time for myself. In fact, that was on the very bottom of the list, and I wasn't even going to forgive myself. You know, <laughs> and I didn't even recognize that it was it was to forgive myself until after I went through, or he took me through the process of forgiving these other people. And these are people that had raped me. These are, I mean, these are just really unforgiving experiences. And I didn't have any desire to forgive until the Holy Spirit got a hold of me. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, I, I understand um, just how passionate you are about that experience. Is there any hope for people? There's, there's people listening that are struggling with addiction. I, I know there are because there's people, regular people that you go to work with every day, they're struggling with addictions. And some of them, I mean, chemical addictions, they're struggling with alcohol, they're, they're struggling with drugs, uh, prescription drugs, they may be struggling with mountain pornography. Pornography I mean, is all, a big one. Addictions. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was I was actually a functional addict, and nobody ever knew that I I used cocaine for 35 years. I mean, even my ex-husband, he was a police officer, and he didn't know for years. And it's mm. so. It's so subtle. They can come. So how? I want you to speak to those people. Though I want you to speak to how you know. Is there any way for people to get unaddicted to to be saved from their addiction outside of Christ? No, there isn't. You you can you can live a life of, of recovery in AA, NACA, and all all of these other kinds of programs, but you are just a dry drunk. That that demon or or that uh, trauma, we'll call is there and until that wound is healed and the holy spirit is the only one that can heal it and the word of god through the, that experience that's you're you're a dry drunk or you're a dry addict or whatever your addiction is pamela i guess it's important for you to know the people have called in on the break and are recognizing that members in their family have struggled with some of the exact same things so you're really touching you're really hitting a chord with people you're really touching uh, it's some very sensitive spots. So I really want to make sure we let people know all about your ministry, because your ministry is specifically to women in prison who are struggling with these things to help them come out and be, and even begin within the prison system the restoration process that only God can bring. So yeah. Shabar Ministries, talk about what is Shabar Ministries? Well, we're actually doing a workbook we're going to be impl- implementing into the prisons, but we have an email system that ladies can email the women and actually mentor them and uh, send in cards and letters and just encouraging them to as a support. Because these so many of these women, they, they are forgotten. It is a forgotten world in there. Mm-hmm. And when I was leaving, they, they were all crying, saying, you know, nobody ever, ever contacts us back. They all say they will, but they don't. And I've done this for uh, five years now, and they they trust this ministry. They trust us. I have gone to so many of the families. My heart is to bring reunification to the family because the entire unit needs healing and needs love because without that love, Jesus is love. And without showing those who are still in the offense, they're still in the trauma, in the wound, in their subconscious act of addiction— there's a fear there. There's an underlying fear. So so we want to go to the families. We want to bring this restoration to the entire unit. There are a lot of women that don't have families. We actually connect them to other organizations that have facilities. One of my passions is, and I will be doing, is a Life Changers Legacy Center. If you go to the website, to the Programs tab, and look at the future Transition Center, that is what my heart's desire is to build. My son, my, my uh, 25-year-old son, actually is an architect, and he did that. Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen him for 15 years because my ex-husband just sheltered him from me, which was rightly so, through the course of the addiction. And But that's what his thesis was for 
college and that, God did that. That God is that. that is really neat. So let me go back to what you're doing right now is so you're actually finding women that are willing to take the time to mentor women that are yes. incarcerated and yes. and invest in them. Yes, well we're asking men to actually support the ministry and invest in a lady that is incarcerated that will be coming out. These are called re- returning citizens for a reason. They are going to be somebody's neighbor someday, mm-hmm. someday soon. So, um, you know, we, we just need people to get engaged. We have so many different programs. We are partnered with Domestic Violence Ministries, with Voice Today. They are uh, very powerful with ministering to children. So we also have, have counselors that will go to the, to the families and counsel the people, the, they'll be coming out, the women will be coming back to the families. They don't need to go back to the same sick environment, whether it be a husband, a boyfriend, or even a mother and dad. But how do you, when, when, you entire, when you look at their families, because you said you're trying to do the reunification of the families, how yes. do you help them determine whether that's a good idea or a bad idea? Well, I, I do the filtering. I actually get the, uh, the ladies family telephone number, and I'll call them, and I'll get engaged and ask them, you know, how they are, if they need anything. I have delivered refrigerators and stoves and fixed cars and just done numerous things of people that, you know, they, they didn't have a way to go see their their daughter in prison. So I've taken people to prison to see their families how, that were incarcerated. How are you working with these ladies to help them be prepared? As you said, you're, you're, pre- you're preparing them to re-enter society. Yes. How are you helping them be prepared to re-enter the workforce? Because that's one of the things that, that as people are listening today, they're thinking, okay, how can we get involved in this ministry? Not a lot of people are going to get involved in going into prisons, but they can pray for somebody. Maybe they can sponsor somebody, but most of them are going, but I don't know if I could ever hire somebody that's been to prison. Talk, well, talk about that a little bit. Okay, well, actually, I just came from, from the Capitol yesterday and uh, doing some, some lobbying for some bills that returning for, for the inmates coming out. And one of the things that, that they have now is you can hire someone, you can hire an inmate that's coming out and actually get a tax incentive for your business if you just give them a second chance. It's about giving somebody another chance in life. Everybody has done something wrong in their life. They may not have gotten caught. You would be amazed at how many women in there are not guilty of some of their crimes. I know this for a fact. I've hired attorneys for these women. Hmm. And it's just, they need somebody out here that cares for them. We are creating this workbook. If you go to the program tab, again, on the website, you will see some of our curriculum that we're doing. And this is to prepare them. We have to equip them. First, we have to get through their, their old traumas, get through the subconscious and do some reprogramming. The Lord told me years ago, you have to deprogram to reprogram. Mm-hmm. So we have to get rid of some, some belief systems that have been instilled from childhood. So these women that you're working with, um, when we're talking about that, you're helping to prepare them and equip them through your program. Is there actually something that they can show in an, an employer that says, you know, I have gotten certified or I have gone through this and, and kind of help validate where they're at today? Yes, actually, uh, that's a very good question. Thank you. There is a, um, a partnering ministry of ours, and she's actually on my board, Dr. Bliss. 
she's with Paracleto. She has, this is how our program is incorporated. It, it is biblical specialties combined with therapeutic intervention. And the women, there are so many of these women that want to come through the program, and they want to be a part of it. They want to go back in. They, you don't even have to go back in. You, just, you can go back in from the outside. You can be in there engaging in a, in a lady's life. I even go to men's prisons. It's not just a lady's. That's my focus are the ladies, mm-hmm. but we also direct the men in, in their areas. So, but it's equipping them. They have to be ready. They're going to go back to work. Every person on this earth is going to work in one capacity or another. And they have to be prepared with their morals. Their integrity is the first thing we look at. Yeah. We, they can go to any job and work in excellence. It doesn't matter what position they take. They start out small. Life is starting out small. The Lord teaches us that with the talents, with so many things. So we also have a financial piece in our curriculum that we teach them. We teach, we teach every component of life. Mm, that's awesome. So when you look at the recidivism rate, the, the inclined, the people, a lot of times people have been in prison, they're inclined to repeat the crimes that they had, that they committed yes. in order that got them back into prison. Not everybody knows what recidivism, and I love that word. I learned it in high school. I love using that word. <laughs> but but when, when you look at the impact of your ministry on these ladies as you are, as you're really mentoring them and investing your lives in them. What do you see as the impact on their being inclined to go back to their old life versus starting a new life? Well, they can't go when they come out. There's, it's not an option to go back to your old people. You, you just totally, you're starting a new life. If you're part of this program, old things have passed away. Behold, we are that behold. All things have become new. It's restoring the mind and deprogramming and reprogramming. As I said, getting rid of the blocks of sabotaging ourselves throughout life. And, and it all starts young. That's where it started with me. And, and so many of these women would come up to me while I was in saying, you don't know what it's like. This happened to me. That happened to me. That happened. And I was like, well, that happened to me and that happened. So I know they can relate to me. They know my story is their story. I am their voice. Now, a lot of people are intimidated by the prison system. They think that, well, I don't want to go in there. I'm scared. I, I, I'm afraid. But when you were in there, did you find the prim, the prison system scary? Did you find, I mean, so there's people from the outside going, well, I've got a story to tell too. Maybe I never went to prison, but I got a story to tell. And, I've, and, I've, mm-hmm. and I'd love to invest my life in some people. Is, you know, is it, a, is it an unsafe place for people to go and do ministry? Oh, no, it is not. In fact, you are so welcome. You are so loved when you go in there to see these, these people, not just women, but men, too. They are so loving. They are so warm. They, they want people to want them. They want to belong. They want to feel there's somebody out there that loves them still, that, that doesn't reject them and feel like they're a failure and, and have fear of them. This is... They're people. They mm-hmm. have a, they are God's given people. So have you written a book yet about all this? The book? Yeah, have you written a book? I mean, your testimony, oh, your I story. Written. Oh, we are. We are in the process of that. Okay. We're in the process. And, and it's actually uh, just the first book of many, but it'll be called See Me Free, and there's actually uh, a few producers that are looking at a movie. 
Wow. Wow. Well, I mean, so I'm curious to hear, um, you know, if this is a program that you've put together, how has it been? Um, how is it that you're able to do it in the prison system? Did you have to build a relationship with somebody that gave you some approval? And can it be used in other areas as well? Absolutely. Yes. When I was in, the women were saying, uh, we don't know how to pray. How do you pray? And so I went to my room and I said, Lord, you've heard the request. I need a prayer sheet for them. So I wrote this prayer sheet out. I started giving it. Well, I actually sent it out and got it printed on this very pretty butterfly paper. Had it sent Mm -hmm. back in and was giving these prayer sheets out all over the compound, 1,600 women. And and some of the guards said, you can't do that. And I said, well, I'll ask the warden. She loved it. I had a faith sheet. I had a poem. And I would love to recite this poem. It's actually on the website. If you click the keyhole, you'll hear the poem that the Holy Spirit wrote through me. It is powerful. Every line of it has profound meaning. And so this prayer sheet is also on the programs tab, and I encourage everybody to get this prayer sheet. It is written by the Holy Spirit. It has power in it. And so many of the women all over the world, this, this prayer sheet goes out to, to multiple countries. And people write me back and say how they are delivered because mm-hmm. of this prayer sheet. So they let you distribute that in there, and then because of the relationship that you've built with them since you've been um, out of prison, you've been able to still um, minister within the walls of the of the very prison that you were at? Yes, multiple. Okay. I mean, yes, all over. So, Pamela, in the last minute or so of the show, can you tell people how they can get involved? How can they support your ministry, get involved in your ministry? Well, you can, you can go to the website. We have a... Um, a contact list there, and you can just, or you can give. I mean, we always need support in that way. You can become a mentor. You can contact me personally and just get engaged in any way possible. We just, you know, we need all sorts of help. Um, this this vision that God's given me for this, this transition it's not a transition house. It's actually a, a very large facility, <laughs> and and I'm believing for it. The Lord just took me off of a 30-acre property that he sent me there. I was not looking for a property, and they found me, and I moved up there and tried to acquire this, this property. So, you know, there's just all sorts of, of ways of, of helping. Do you mm-hmm. have any uh, ministry, prison mission, prison, <laughs> prison ministry going on down here in Tampa Bay? Well, as a matter of fact, J.T. Williams, he is the chairman of my board, and he has Kellern Properties. He has He's a developer, and he did the properties down in uh, Tallahassee and uh, some in Tampa. So I just awesome. heard your advertisement, and I said, oh, my gosh, J.T. would love this. Well, that's, that's fantastic. Pamela Winderweedle with, with Shabar Ministries. Find them online at shabarministries.org. Thank you so much for just telling us all about, for sharing your story, sharing the excitement of all the work that Christ has done in your life, and for sharing your passion for prisoners, for women prisoners, and helping them get out of their addictions. Pamela, thanks so much today. Oh, thank you. As we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, I know you heard something today that challenged your faith. What did you learn today? And how you can make an impact on this city for Jesus Christ. What did you learn? You know, we learned today 
that there's a whole other part of our population that desperately needs to hear about Jesus. And Pamela shared her story and how Christ made an impact on her life and how he grabbed hold of her while she was in prison and showed her how she could be restored in Christ and then how she could help others be restored in Christ. And and here's the bottom line. I know there's people listening today that have struggled with drug addictions, chemical addictions, that have been abused like she has been. And they're dealing with forgiveness issues, bitterness issues. But here's the, the good news is Jesus is the answer to every question that you're asking. And you're needed. You just heard Pamela says there are women needed to go into the women's prisons and minister to those. Those women want hope. They want to be wanted. ShabarMinistries.org, ShabarMinistries.org. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. We own our own business, but ultimately, I I work work for him. him.